What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the From the Booth podcast. Um, For those of you who are new, please make sure to subscribe to the channel. Um, Checking my analytics, it seems that like 95% of you on YouTube aren't subscribed. So if you're enjoying the content and want to make sure that you see more of it in the future, please make sure you subscribe. Plus, it'll boost my ego, and that's always a great thing. Appreciate you guys for that. Um, The next thing is that we have a pretty exciting episode to talk about today. Um, We're going to talk about the Jalen Carter um, arrest warrant situation and how that kind of affects his draft stock and everything. Um, We're going to talk about the NFL Players Association grading each team on the quality of, you know, their locker room, their stadium, the treatment of families, everything like that. We're going to go through the full grades. We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers and um, what the fuck is going on with him. Where is he going to go? Where is he going to end up playing if he ends up playing? And then we're going to talk about, um, we're going to highlight another prospect in this episode, and that prospect is going to be Bryce Young. Um, Please stay tuned to the end uh, if you guys are liking to listen. Um, And for those of you on YouTube, like I said, please make sure to subscribe. If you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, anything like that, um, just make sure to follow the podcast. And um, let's go ahead and get right into it. Okay, so let's talk about Jalen Carter. Um, Very interesting situation going on here. Um, He was issued a warrant for his arrest um, by Athens police officers um, on the case of reckless driving and racing in Athens, Clark County. Um, The significant part of this story is that this took place on January 15th, which for those of you who don't know, that was the day that tragically a Georgia football player and a Georgia staff member um, lost their life. Um, So now we're thinking that there's some connection there unfortunately um very very sad there um but he was booked um he he was released after posting bond and he's back at the combine but um i do want to talk about how this is going to affect kind of his draft stock how maybe um severe the punishment will be and everything like that so um character issues i know the character issues kind of brought kind of got brought up with Jalen carter a while ago um and i didn't know if there was much merit to it really um but now we kind of have legitimate reason for character concerns. I mean, he was literally arrested middle of the NFL combine. Um, so that's alarming. You know, we're talking about a guy who had potential to be the number one overall pick in the draft. Um, and if not the number one overall pick, almost guaranteed to be a top five pick. So it's a big, this is a big thing. And um, I have no, I'm not going to talk about any of the legal processing of whether I think he's guilty or not, or if he had any involvement in the, you know, in the um, deaths that occurred, that's not my business. Um, but what I am going to say is that, you know, from a uh, draft perspective, this definitely tanks him a little bit. Um, how far does he tank? Now, there have been guys in the past with character issues. And unfortunately, as we've seen, a lot of teams in the NFL um, don't care as much about those character issues as they do how good of a f- football player they are. Um, and they believe, you know, that they can get him in the building, they can coach him up, they can do whatever. Um, they can get his character issues fixed, um, which for some guys works, but for some guys it really never works. They're just kind of always destined to get themselves into trouble. Um, but for Jalen Carter, you know, I hope the best for him. Obviously, I hope that he can turn it around. But looking kind of at um, the draft, so I think it rules out number one overall. It rules out the Bears. Um, I would think now it rules out at least the Texans. I think the earliest he can go now would be number three. Um I would not be surprised if he falls out of the top 10. Um, and again, we're, we're talking about a guy who could have been the number one overall pick who might fall out of the top 10. Um, this, combined with his 
uh, combine performance, bumps up Will Anderson, I would believe, into the um, best non-quarterback or the highest non-quarterback to be taken. Um, for Jalen Carter, you know, uh, this is a messy situation. He he has come out and said that, you know, he's going to cooperate fully with police and he is going to, you know, uh, clear himself of every wrongdoing, which, you know, is, we'll see how that goes. But um, very, very interesting situation going on here with Jalen Carter. Um, I don't know if we've had any updates. This happened a few days ago. I don't think we've had any updates. He wasn't going to participate in the combine to begin with, so this doesn't really affect him in terms of stock performance-wise, like physically-wise, because he wasn't going to do the combine anyways. Um, he was going to be there for the interviews, and from what I'm hearing, he still is there for the interviews, um, and I'm sure teams are going to ask him all about this. Um, but we will see where this takes Jalen Carter, and we'll see how this affects his draft stock. Um, again, hopefully he doesn't have any involvement in, in the deaths or anything like that. Um, I will say I did a little research um, onto the uh, what he got acquitted for, and I think the maximum the maximum penalty he could receive is like a year in prison and like a thousand dollar fine. Um, I seriously doubt that he'll go to jail for a year. I let alone even probably at all. Um, my my guess is is that if he's found guilty, um, that he will, you know, put down a however many thousand dollar fine, and then they'll make him do community service for X amount of hours. That would be my guess. Um, obviously, though, I'm not a police officer. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know that well. Um, if anybody does know what he's dealing with and the charges and how severe they are, tell me down below. I'd be interested to hear about it. But just from what I was, was seeing, it's probably only going to be a maximum of like a year in jail. So that's kind of the Jalen Carter situation. Very, very crazy going on. Very bad timing for him. Um, but again, hopefully he's cleared of everything and it was just a giant misunderstanding. So let's go ahead and go into the next topic. All right, so this week, the NFL Players Association, or commonly known as the NFLPA, um, did the first ever edition of their NFL team report cards. Now, um, reading their website, the um, reason for doing this is to help players provide um, more or help to provide players more information regarding their future, regarding which teams, et cetera, et cetera. So um, the NFL Players Association obviously has the players' interest in heart. They don't care about the team specifically. They're looking out for just the players. Um, so I think this is very useful for players who are free agents, players who are going to be free agents, um, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe, you know, this helps give one team an edge over the other. Um, so that's kind of the, the purpose and the reason for the report cards, but, um, I'm going to kind of go through with them with you, give my kind of surprises, um, and everything like that. So I actually have the report card pulled up right here on my, um, second monitor. And the number one team is the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings received straight A's, um, the categories, so we can get into them, are treatment of families, food service slash nutrition, the weight room, uh, strength coaches, the training room, the training staff, locker room, and team travel. The Vikings have had an A, A minus, A, A plus, A plus, A plus, A plus, A. I mean, that's great. That is really good. That's like med student level grades right there. So um, for an organization like the Vikings, I mean, um, I've never felt like they were... Um, you know, a top-of-the-line organization, but obviously my opinion has changed now. I feel like they take really good care of their players. So, um, and if you're a team like the Vikings, I think this is really good news because, you know, you're a team that is in, in contention, right? You, you won the North, you made the playoffs last year, and this might help you to acquire a lot of other quality free agents. So, uh, congratulations to the Vikings on treating your players well. Um, 
That's a great way to run your organization. The number two team is the Miami Dolphins, who got straight A's in every category except for treatment of families. They had a C+. Plus. Following the Dolphins is the Raiders. Um, to be honest, the Raiders is very surprising to me. I thought they were very dysfunctional. Um, but the Raiders' lowest grade was a B, um, so they did really well. They were the third-ranked team. After the Raiders is the Texans. Same thing. That's kind of surprising to me. But um, for teams like the Texans, um, these young rebuilding teams who are getting these high scores, that is a very, very good thing because, like I said, quality free agents are going to now want to come to Houston because they treat the families well, they have good training staff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So um, obviously the NFLPA has their full list. I'm not going to read you every grade, every team. I'm just going to pick out some teams. But the top 10, uh, the top five, excuse me, Vikings, Dolphins, Raiders, Texans, Cowboys, that's five, followed by the Packers, Niners, Giants, Bills, Saints, Seahawks, um, rounding out the top 10. So my Seahawks are in the top 10, thank, thank God. Um, but I want to talk about the bottom teams, um, some of the bottom feeders. And these, to me, aren't, a lot of these teams are not surprising, but there are a few big surprises to me. Okay, so the worst team, ranking 32nd, is the Commanders, who received F, D+, C+, A+, F-, D, F-, F-. Um I think it's not a very well-kept secret that Dan Snyder is the worst fucking owner in the NFL. And I am not surprised at all when um, the commanders were graded on how they're treated, that they were treated like the worst team in the league. Um, that doesn't surprise me. I think if you would have told me, hey, the NFLPA did a, a report card on every team. Can you guess which team got last? I would have said the commanders, and I would have been exactly fucking correct. The team right above the commanders, not much better, is the Arizona Cardinals. A bit surprising to me. I didn't think they were that awful, but... Hearing some of the things, I mean, um, there was a report that their families, or they need to pay for their own meals if they work out there in the off-season, um, that their families aren't well taken care of, that um, it's just fucked up. It's just fucked up. Um, so hopefully Jonathan Gannon um, can change the culture there in, in Arizona. Um, above the Cardinals, we have the Chargers. Again, not surprising. Dean, Dean Spanos is a piece of shit. Not really surprised that his team is ranked as the third worst but then above the Chargers is the Chiefs and to me that's really surprising um the Chiefs seem like a very well-run organization obviously they've won the Super Bowl two twice in the last five or six years um so it's kind of surprising me that they were ranked as the fourth worst team in, in terms of taking care of their players so very interesting above the two above them the Jaguars and Bengals also AFC contenders the Bengals doesn't necessarily surprise me um because I know their owner's a piece of shit as well, but, um, or he's not, he's not a piece of shit as much, but he's cheaper, but I mean, the Jaguars, I thought Shad Khan was my guy, I thought he was cool, I thought, you know, he rocked his sunglasses, he got hyped in the locker room, I thought he was a cool guy, but apparently not, so, um, you know, the NFL Players Association, I think this is a really, really cool idea to do a team report card, um, and unanimously grade, you know, each team based on how they take care of it, I mean, these are important things that, that, I think players want to know, but you don't really know until you sign because every team is going to tell you, oh, yeah, we'll take care of your family. Oh, yeah, we have the best weight room. Oh, we have the best strength coaches. Every team is going to tell you that. But this list is kind of showing that they're lying. So I think this is a great idea. I think that this list should be renewed probably every single year um, or every single five years because I think if the list is renewed constantly and a team like, you know, let's see, a team like the Chiefs, right, hopefully next year they try to make some upgrades and improve the quality of their players. Um, so that each team that got a low grade can work to improve the quality. So uh, I think that, you know, this is a really good thing. I think it's a really good idea. The NFL Players Association does a lot of cool shit for the players. 
Um, and this is no exception. So really, really happy to see these grades. And um, I look forward to hopefully seeing teams improve their facilities and everything for the players. So that's the NFL Players Association grades. Let me know if you guys have any comments or questions down below. And if not, we're going to go ahead and jump to the next segment. So the next segment we're going to talk about today is Aaron Rodgers. Now, Aaron Rodgers has been the bane of my existence ever since I was a, a small child. Um, for those of you who don't know, I am currently and have been for my whole life living in the state of Illinois. And by default, that means I am subject to the brutal punishment that Aaron Rodgers puts on the Bears twice a year every year. Um, my family being giant Bears fans have um, nearly attempted assassination on Aaron Rodgers multiple times. And I can't say I blame them. Um, that's a joke. For legally speaking, that's a joke. But anyway, um, if you're a Bears fan, you know exactly what I mean. And if you're not a Bears fan, um, then watch Bears games from the perspective of a Bears fan against the Packers, and you'll get it. But Aaron Rodgers, I think it's pretty well documented that he is, how you say, a strange fella. Um, he does some quirky things. And um, he has recently completed a darkness retreat to decide if he wants to get paid $50 million to play quarterback or not. Um, and the purpose of the darkness retreat was to kind of clear his mind, think about if he wants to play football again, if he wants to play for Green Bay, um, kind of what happened. So he went on that darkness retreat for four days and just came back and hasn't made a formal decision yet, which I get. Um, he's pretty probably going to have to make one before the draft. He's got about a month and a half, two months, and then he's kind of got to get his decision out um, before the Packers can do shit. Definitely before then. But... Um, I'm going to talk about kind of Aaron Rodgers and what I think he's going to do. Um, and then if he gets traded, kind of what teams or what compensation would be able to acquire him. So starting off, I think Aaron Rodgers is coming back to play football. Um, I think that Aaron Rodgers is pretty overdramatic about a lot of things. And I think that he's doing this whole thing. He knows he's coming back. Um, he didn't, he wasn't the problem in Green Bay, um, but you know, he, I think he kind of gets that the Packers want Jordan Love. They want to play Jordan Love. They want to play their first round pick, right? Um, but Aaron Rodgers is definitely coming back, in my opinion. Uh, I would be, I'd be shocked, shocked if he retired. Um, so he's going to come back. He's going to get paid, you know, $50 million a year that he's making. And, you know, when it comes to the Packers, um, I'm not sure if the Packers want Aaron Rodgers back. And, what I mean by that is, is again, I think they have Jordan Love, who they want to start, and they want to see what they have in him. But I also think that there's, you know, there's, there's reports coming out that they're kind of, they're kind of sick of his antics. They're sick of the he's here, he's not, he's here, he's not. Oh, I might play. Oh, I might not play. They're kind of getting sick of all that. And for a guy who's aging, and for a guy who is um, probably never going to reach the levels that he was a few years ago, you know, maybe you you give Jordan Love a shot, right? So. I think Aaron Rodgers is coming back. I think the Packers are growing a little sour with him, and they will probably want to move on from him. So <clears throat> the logical solution there is to trade Aaron Rodgers. Um, however, Aaron Rodgers is tricky. So if Aaron Rodgers says he wants to come back and play only for the Packers, and they try to trade him, he could just be like, nah, fuck you, I retire. Um, which is, ironically, a move that Rob Gronkowski made when the Patriots traded him to the Lions. He said, no, nah, I'm retired, and it was just hilarious. Um, but but um, Aaron Rodgers could do that. He could not play. He could refuse to play for certain teams. Anything's on the table with Aaron Rodgers. 
But assuming that he doesn't pull the Diva card to the fullest extent, um, I think the Packers would want to trade him. And I think that there are a few teams that really make sense for the Packers to trade with. Um, and I'm going to kind of narrow down. I'm going to give four teams that I think make the most sense to acquire Rodgers, and then I'm going to eliminate a few of them. So I think team number one that makes sense to acquire Aaron Rodgers is the San Francisco 49ers. Um, obviously, Brock Purdy and Trey Lance, you have a question mark at quarterback there. But outside of the quarterback position, the 49ers roster is stacked to the fullest extent. Um, so Aaron Rodgers come, comes to San Francisco. He's got two great receivers, an all-pro tight end, all-pro left tackle, an all-pro running back. Good offensive line, great defense. He's got everything you could want. Uh, great head coach, um, literally everything you can want. So um, I think San Francisco would be a great landing spot for Aaron Rodgers if, if they could compensate Green Bay enough and if they could figure out the salary cap, which those are two big ifs because um, I know San Francisco doesn't have a first or a second this year. So it'd have to be next year's and then kind of gets weird, whatever. Um, and then, obviously, salary cap-wise, you have to pay Nick Bosa soon. I don't know where Aaron Rodgers' $50 million kind of fits in there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them as like a sleeper team. I wouldn't bank on the 49ers, but I think it makes sense for the 49ers to do it. Um, another team that I think makes a lot of sense is the Tennessee Titans. Um, massive hole at quarterback. Um, the problem with the Titans is they're not a very good team overall. So the appeal for Rodgers to want to go there is probably not very high. Um and, you know, all the Titans really have right now that's, like, for sure solid is Brable is a good coach. Derrick Henry. Traylon Burks is probably pretty good. Um, but the defense is, is pretty good. It's okay, whatever. But, again, if you're the Titans, you have a lot of capital invested in Ryan Tannehill. You just took Malik Willis last year. Are you going to go trade for Aaron Rodgers? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, but, obviously, they need a quarterback. And they need a, they need an injection of life. Um, I don't know how Aaron Rodgers' personality would blend with the Titans and Mike Vrabel. Um, I think that might cause some rifts. Um, but I'll put the Titans, again, as another sleeper team. I think the two most obvious teams and the two teams that everybody is kind of um, saying is going to happen would either be the New York Jets or the Las Vegas Raiders. Let me be clear. Call me Obama. Let me be clear. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Jet. Um, if, if he gets traded, I think he's getting traded to the Jets. Um, the Jets, from every team last year, had the most obvious case of great roster, bad quarterback, right? Um, and so, if you're Aaron Rodgers, the Jets are a good spot for you. Nathaniel Hackett, his guy, is now the offensive coordinator there. Um, the Jets have a top 13 pick in this draft that they could ship to Green Bay. Um, so compensation lines up. Aaron Rodgers wanting to go there lines up. Um, it all kind of works. Um, I think it just makes the most sense. Now, the other team that makes a lot of sense to me is the Raiders. Um, Devontae Adams being a huge part of that. The Raiders really desperately need a quarterback. Um, I don't know how Aaron Rodgers would feel about Josh McDaniels. I have no clue. Um, maybe if I know him and Brady talk, I know maybe if Brady puts in a good word, um, he would want to go to Vegas, but my money would be on the, uh, New York Jets to trade for Aaron Rodgers if anybody trades for him. Other sleeper teams, maybe like Carolina could make a big swing. Um, but again, I don't know if there's a lot of offensive talent there that Aaron Rodgers would want. Um, Indy could make a move at him. 
give them num give Green Bay number four. Um, that would be a very steep price, though. I don't know if I would do that. Um, but you know, uh, they have options. But I would I would book the Jets as the favorite here, followed by the Raiders and then you know Titans and Niners and maybe the Panthers. But that's kind of my thoughts on Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers' situation. Let me know what you guys think down below. Um, and yeah, let's go ahead and get to the next segment. Talking about our next segment in this episode. Um, a segment I've been wanting to talk about for a long time, to be honest. And I've thought about it a lot. Um, it's something that's gotten me very interested. And that is, what the fuck are the Seahawks going to do with the fifth overall pick? Um, as a Seahawks fan, and as a Seahawks fan for more than 10 years, I am damn aware that John Schneider's drafting is impossible to predict. Um, this man has taken LJ Collier and Rashad Penny in the first round and left me completely ass-baffled. I have just been besides myself. He also took, um, and I have this on record, he also took D. Eskridge in the second round when Creed Humphrey was there for the taking, who me and my former podcast partner were pounding on the fucking table for. Turns out Creed was pretty good and D. Eskridge doesn't do jack shit. Whatever. So they're impossible to predict. Um, even more so now because the Seahawks have not had a top five pick in the entire regime of Pete Carroll and John Schneider. Last year, I believe, was the first time they had a top 10 pick since, like, 2011. Um, and they took Charles Cross, which, actually, I did get that one right. I did predict Charles Cross. And um, I actually also have proof of them taking Tariq Woolen, like I predicted. But, you know, they call me a genius, but it's whatever. Um, so, in this video, uh, in this segment, rather, I'm going to try to highlight or illustrate some of the potential options that the Seahawks have at pick five. Um... So, this week, you know, in his combine interviews, Pete Carroll mentioned that taking a quarterback for the Seahawks is not off the board. And for me, that's pretty exciting because I love Geno Smith, but I don't see Geno Smith as the long-term option. It's kind of like I see Daniel Jones where it's like, okay, the guy had a really good year. Let's see what he could do. So, if Geno re-signs and he balls out and he's good, okay, we have a good quarterback, bet. But if he doesn't, or maybe if he is and... He doesn't want to sign an extension further than that. Then we have a guy who can play behind him and learn for a year and then um, be ready to go. And I think that that's the best case scenario for a rookie quarterback um, is to sit for a year behind a good, solid veteran, learn, and then year two, it's his team. Give him the keys, see what he can do. Let let him cook, more, to, more or less, right? Um, that's the exact case that happened with Patrick Mahomes uh, backing up Alex Smith for his first year and then winning MVP in his first season starting. So um, I think that that would be the best option for the Seahawks. Additionally, um, you know, the Seahawks are not opposed to taking best player available, which is a non-quarterback as well. Um, and we just talked about the Jalen Carter situation. So there's a high chance that Jalen Carter, Carter is now available at five, where I previously would not have thought he would be. So there's a lot of things to kind of cook up here. Let me start with the quarterback position, okay? So if the Seahawks go quarterback... I think that that's a pretty ballsy move, but it's one that I think would probably pay the most dividends in the future, right? Like I said, if you have a good quarterback, you know, every team in the league wants to have a really good quarterback, and you have a top 10 quarterback, you always have a chance. The Seahawks had a chance every single year with Russell Wilson when he was in his in his heyday, right? Um, the problem is, is that they didn't surround him with a lot of, they, there were a lot of holes on the roster that prevented him from doing things, whatever. But if you have a top 10 quarterback, you always have a chance. Um... Additionally, 
for a rebuilding team like the Seahawks are. I would still consider them a rebuilding team. I know they went to the playoffs last year. I'd still consider them a little bit rebuilding. Um, the best asset you could have is a good quarterback on a rookie deal so that the Seahawks could allocate other resources to defense, offensive line, defensive line, et cetera, right? So you want to go top five. Um, the only quarterback that I think is for sure, for sure going to be off the board at number five is Bryce Young. I would be shocked if Bryce Young slid all the way down to number five. Bryce Young's there. You take Bryce Young. You don't ask questions. You have your franchise guy for the next 10 years, okay? Assuming Bryce Young's off the board, I think the only guys that would be left on the board, or the guys that would be left on the board would be C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, um, et cetera, right? Um, would I take... Would I take any of those guys at five? Will Levis? Fuck no. I would not take Will Levis at five. Would I take C.J. Stroud at five? I'd feel a lot better about it. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, yeah. I'm going to say, yeah. Um, now, Anthony Richardson at five is, to me, extremely ballsy, which makes it feel even more likely like the Seahawks are going to do it. Um, I just, I don't know what inkling I have. I don't know what superstition I have. I just feel like the Seahawks are in love with Anthony Richardson. And I've, I've been seeing him mock to the Seahawks a lot. And I think, if we're going back to what I was just saying, if you want to have a quarterback where, okay, Geno's team in 2023, your team in 2024, Anthony Richardson is the guy that fits that bill the most because he needs to be coached up the most. Um, I've said it a lot about Anthony Richardson, but Anthony Richardson's ceiling is higher than anybody's and his floor is lower than anybody's. So you really got to be certain that you're coaching them up, right? Um, so I would be not surprised if the Seahawks took Anthony Richardson at five, but I would be nervous. I'd be nervous um, because I would not want to waste a top five pick on a potential bust, um, but whatever. So anybody other than those three quarterbacks, I would absolutely not do at five. No fucking way. Another guy that if he's there at five, I'm taking, and I'm taking faster than, you know, the I'm, I'm taking him faster than Roger Goodell could say his name. Um, that'd be Will Anderson. Uh, Will Anderson, to me, is the best pass rusher in this draft by a country mile, and the Seahawks would be absolutely thrilled if he fell to five. Um, defensive line is one of their biggest weaknesses, um, and he is the best player in this draft, I feel. So um, it's kind of a match made in heaven where, you know, you get the best player uh, at your worst position at edge rusher, so... Get you know, get you a generational edge rusher for the next 10 15 years. Um, I AE, you know, Von Miller, Miles Garrett, etc. Um, that's that's how highly I think of Will Anderson. So that's what I would do if I was the Seahawks. And then at number 20, um, the guy that I'm targeting, the guy that I really want is Joey Porter. Um, I would love to see him paired up with Tariq Wollen to see what they could cook up together. Um, but obviously, you know, if they go with like, I mean, I think Kalijah Canty is probably not going to be there at 20. Um, maybe, you know, Brian Brisset, maybe Miles Murphy, maybe um, Aaron Carter, maybe one of those guys. I'm sorry, not Aaron Carter, Andre Carter, um, the guy from Army. Um, one of those guys. I would, I would go defense at pick 20, um, you know. So there's that. But what do you guys think the Seahawks will do at pick number five? I want to hear your opinions, um, and I want to hear what you think, both from the perspective of Seahawks fans, if there are any watching, and from the perspective of just regular NFL viewers who are interested in seeing what the Seahawks do, let me know down below. Make sure to subscribe if you enjoyed this segment, and I will catch you guys in the next segment. All right, the next and last segment in today's episode 
is going to be about a certain prospect, and that prospect is Bryce Young, my favorite quarterback prospect in this draft class. Um, I hope I don't lose any validity, but my favorite team is the Alabama Crimson Tide. They have two of my favorite players in this draft. Um, so you could call me biased, but I view it as I've seen these players more than most people, so I kind of think I have a good idea of what they're capable of doing at the next level. But Bryce Young, um, there's been a lot of Bryce Young talk recently about his size, about his frame, um, you know, measured in at 5'10 and a half, um, about a buck 80, um, which is small, definitely, which is small. But um, there are quarterbacks who have been that small size-wise, um, who have been very successful. Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, um, two guys kind of in the 5'10 range, short kings. Um, the thing with Kyler, though, and Russell Wilson is they're a bit bulkier. Uh, they're a bit more muscular, you know. I think uh, Bryce Young, well, I don't think. Bryce Young's been working with a nutritionist to try to get his weight up. So there's a good possibility that come draft day, he's 200 even and a lot more muscular. Um, but, you know, part of Bryce Young's game is his shiftiness, his elusiveness, his pocket dancing ability, so to speak. Um, but I just want to talk about Bryce Young, uh, what I like about him, what I think about him, and um, where I think maybe he could end up. So just talking about Bryce Young, uh, first year at Alabama, uh, 2020, he was the backup to Mac Jones. They won the national championship that year. His first year starting, to, and don't forget, guys, he was like the number one recruit. He was like, I think, the number one quarterback recruit ever coming out of uh, modern day. Um, originally was committed to USC, then flipped, went to Alabama, um, backed up Mac Jones 2020. 2021, Bryce Young uh, went 366 for 547, completing 67% of his passes for 4,800 yards, 47 tugs, seven picks, and a 167.5 rating. Um, won the Heisman Trophy, took the Crimson Tide to the national championship, unfortunately lost to the Georgia Bulldogs, um, but was phenomenal, sensational everything you could ever want. The following year, not too much of a drop-off, but obviously not as historically great. Um, threw for 3,300 yards, um, 32 touchdowns, 5 picks, 163 rating. Dealt with a little bit of shoulder injuries last year. Nothing serious, just a little bit of um, shoulder sprain. Um, but, you know, talking about Bryce Young, wh what are some things about his game that are great? Uh, his pocket awareness is fantastic. His accuracy is great. His ball placement is amazing. I think he's got really good touch, and I think he throws a nice deep ball. Um, he's a good athlete. He's not a super. He's not a great athlete like you know Kyler or Lamar or Justin Fields. He's a good athlete though. Um, like I said, he can extend plays, buy himself time, and if need be, scramble and pick up a first down. Uh, I've been seeing some Twitter. I've, I've been seeing some people on Twitter say that he's a running quarterback. Um, if you watched him in Alabama, you know that that is not the case. Um, he ran as an absolute last resort. And there were times, actually, where I wanted him to run, and he would just kind of uh, go go horizontally on the line of scrimmage and buy himself, buy himself, buy himself, and then run last second. Um, so he's not like a straight runner. Um, he's going to want to throw the ball. And I think that he knows, you know, he knows he's small. He knows he can't really take big hits, especially in the, at the NFL level. Um, so he's trying to protect himself and brace himself as much as possible, which is smart. Um, he has an ability very similar to Russell Wilson, where he doesn't seem to get big. Hit. He doesn't seem to get hit a lot. Um, he's pretty good at putting himself in good position to not take those big blows um, from those D linemen or from those linebackers. Um, obviously, some of the weaknesses of his game would be size. Um, a screaming edge rusher could obliterate him from the outside, and so that does cause some. That does cause some risk for injuries um, if you're Bryce or if your team's thinking about taking Bryce, you know. 
Um, and then short quarterbacks like Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's biggest weakness is throwing over the middle of the field. Um, I think actually Bryce Young does a very good job of that. Um, but I don't know if that will continue at the NFL level. I have to see. And I'm not talking doubting him. I just I genuinely just don't know if that'll continue at the NFL level. So we'll have to see. But um, you know, there's not a lot not to like about Bryce Young other than the size. Um, so how much does his size kind of affect his draft stock? Well, I don't think it does. I think teams still view Bryce Young as QB1 in this draft. Um, obviously, you know, he hasn't done his pro. He's not going to be throwing at the combine, but he is going to um, throw at his pro day. So teams will see kind of just how good he is and everything like that. Um, you know, I think the team that is more likely or not to take him is going to be the Texans or if slash when the Bears trade that first overall pick, um, whoever they trade that first overall pick to could take Bryce Young. Um, I don't think Bryce Young is going to be there at five for the Seahawks, you know, unfortunately. Um, but um, I do think that he's going to be the first quarterback taken off the board. I do think teams like him over C.J. Stroud, like him over Anthony Richardson. Um, if the if the say the Bears don't trade the pick, right? The Bears aren't going to take Bryce Young. Say the Texans don't take Bryce Young, um, and he falls right into the Colts' lap. There's no way if Bryce Young's on the board, the Colts aren't taking him at four. There's absolutely no way. Um, so the late, the absolute latest that Bryce Young is going to go is pick four. Um, so he's going to be a top five pick. He's going to be the first quarterback taken off the board, I'm sure. Um, again, there's just not really much that you can say wrong about Bryce Young's game other than other than um, his size, you know. Um, maybe one other thing I could say is that I think he sometimes holds the ball on a little too long. Um, I think at the NFL level, he's got to learn to just when a play is dead, when, when the defense just beats you, throw the ball away. Um, I think he did take some sacks at Bama. Um, but other than, I mean, that, that happens. So let me know what your guys' thoughts are on Bryce Young down below. I'm very interested to hear. And, um, let me know where you think that he's going to end up. So, um, let's go ahead and finish and wrap up this podcast. Um, thank you guys for listening. Like I said, make sure to subscribe if you've been enjoying. Um, but I, think, I guess just a few other things going on right now. We have, you know, uh, the combine going on in full swing. The defensive lineman went yesterday. Nolan Smith ran a 4-3-9. That dude is a freak. Um, he, I originally, I think, had him going like pick 21, 22. He's going up there. He might be a top 15 pick now. Um, so good for Nolan Smith. Kalaji Kansi ran really well. His Kalaji Kansi's measurables are pretty much the exact same as Aaron Donald's. Um, and same school too, so it's pretty funny. But you know, we got the combine going on. Um, not really too much else kind of going on right now. It's just a lot of like pre-draft stuff going on. A lot of reports. Um, there's the report that you know the the Panthers are going to maybe bring back Sam Darnold, um, which is not earth-shattering news. I figured that they were going to have a bridge quarterback for whoever their rookie is. Um, and yeah, that's. You know, that's pretty much it. Um, I appreciate you guys listening to this episode. Um, I will have another episode for you guys on Monday uh, where the combine, I think, should be done. Maybe not. Um, but hopefully we get some news by Monday. Um, hopefully stuff like that. But thank you guys for watching. Please make sure to subscribe. And I will see you guys on Monday. Peace out.